sports story everyone's talking about today is just moments away. So call or text us right now at 573-875-KTGR and make your voice heard. This is The Big Show with Andy and Brendan on KTGR. I got a question. Is Josh Allen the Paul George of the NFL? Just kind of spitballing here, thinking about our Chiefs-Bills discussion. Hi, I'm producer Chris Mitchell. This is The Big Show on KTGR and KTGR.com. Second hour of the program, Andy Humphrey over that away. At 505, we got to talk about the border war showdown between Mizzou and Kansas. Over-unders for that ballgame going down this weekend. And at 525, we're going to talk some Shohei Otani because he still doesn't have a team yet. The conversations have been getting pretty spicy. They like their secrecy over there, but do we like it as a collective sports fandom? You really want to see where Shohei Otani goes in this free agency? We'll talk about all that and more coming up next here on The Big Show. 573-875-5847. Give us a call or a text going into Mizzou women's basketball coverage right after the show. But first, before we get to any of that, we got to do this because it's 5 o'clock. It's time for the Top 5 at 5 on The Big Show. Number 1. You want to trade away for curtain number 1? You can have curtain number 1. A well-deserved SEC Coach of the Year award for Eli Drinkwitz. The SEC officially came out with their individual awards today. They released the All-SEC teams yesterday, and Drinkwitz named the SEC Coach of the Year by his uh, coaching peers, and I think very well deserved. A huge game improvement, of course, from last year to this year. The Tigers were 6-6 six and six a year ago. They improved all the way up to 10-2. and two. They were right up in the college football playoff top 10 for the last few weeks of the season, and... Look, you can say that Nick Saban did his best coaching job this year, but he's got all kinds of talent over there. Eli Drinkwitz does, too. Not just not to the same level just yet, but uh, Drinkwitz's job this year, coaching what he did with this team and what he did for this program and how it's looking around the rest of the country is impressive nonetheless. Number two. Number two. Your timing is impeccable. Man, Mike Greenberg, uh, Greeny, you can hear him uh, from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. right here on KTGR, but on his TV show, Get Up, he was right along with Brendan's thinking that Josh Allen gets too bad of a rap for these turnovers. And look, I, I understand that that might be the case. Turnovers can be kind of a fluky stat sometimes, but this just keeps seeming to happen with Josh Allen in the exact wrong times. If you take away some of the turnovers that he had this year, even just two or three of them, the Bills are eight and four instead of six and six. I'm just, I'm just saying he has a chance to acquit himself as they take on the Chiefs this weekend, and I think it's more important to the Bills, especially for their playoff hopes, than maybe it is the Chiefs. But it's still very important for the Chiefs too. Number three. Deion Sanders told People Magazine that he wanted more privacy at Colorado this year. Yeah, that's why you make the jump from Jackson State to the Power Five. Sure thing. Number four. Four. Oh, shanked it. Well, Yadier Molina is back with the St. Louis Cardinals. Just, you know, in the front office. And it was looking inevitable uh, that that was going to be the case. The Cardinals announced today that he will be a special assistant to the president of baseball operations. Uh, That's John Mosellock. So, I mean, uh, Molina is in the front office. Not necessarily a a full-time role, but uh, you knew that this was going to be happening at some point, that he'd be involved uh, in the Cardinals going forward. And, hey, it could be a nice presence uh, to have there. We'll see. Number five. What are the five fingers? Say to the face. Slap. Shohei Otani. All the secrecy around his free agency. This is the greatest star in the game, and we're not allowed to know where he's going to go? Come on. 
That's the Big Show's Top 5 at 5 on KTGR. 875-KTGR if you want to call or text us. Not necessarily where he's going to go, but where he could go. And we don't want to... Otani Camp shutting it all down. No. Oh, you leaked info about him meeting with your team? Oh, guess what? Not signing. Is that good for the game? We'll talk about that at 525. 875-KTGR if you want to call or text us on that. But let's get to uh, to over-unders for Mizzou and Kansas. Brendan's back. In the gravelly voice form once again, Brendan, how's the drive? Oh, the drive is wonderful, fellas, and uh, hopefully my my service through the Bluetooth here a little improved the closer I get to St. Louis. I, I can always stop off, though, before I leave the jurisdiction of legality. Yeah, I was going to say, if you've got some Mizzou-Kansas over-under-related stuff for me to, to bet for you, but I just realized... There's not anything out yet because that's a basketball game on Saturday. So yeah. we'll be freewheeling it with this one uh, I know, as yeah. we go through the over-unders. It's, uh, it'll be kind of interesting, you know, uh, with uh, with these over-unders for this game. But uh, we'll try our best. Ken Palm, by the way, has it as, I believe, a 13-point win for Kansas at the moment. Oh. So, yeah, uh, not, not a great uh, metric to uh, be going up against. What does Ken Palm know anyway? <laughs> well, they've been right about anything. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like Pakoda. Who cares? Pakoda. Don't get don't get Brendan started <laughs> on Pakoda. Don't get me started Pekoda, on him either. Pakoda, which nailed the Cardinals being bad last year for the first time in like ever. <laughs> hey, a, you know, keep world. keep guessing that they'll be bad, and eventually you'll be right. Yeah, that's their, that's their yep, strategy. That's- um, That's what happened. Hey, here, Andy, I've got one for you. Okay, go. I've got go. an over-under for you. Do it. Over-under 29 and a half years on this earth so far for Andy Humphrey. <laughs> Dang it. Come on. <laughs> Happy birthday, buddy. <laughs> Come on. Uh, yeah, that, uh, the, <laughs> the underbetters were severely disappointed at around uh, 12.01 this morning. Unfortunately, yeah. Um, but how am I uh, supposed to tell my kids? Yeah, I don't know. I, I suppose so. I had thank, the mortgage on it. Thank you, Brendan. Um, yeah. I, I, again, I was just trying to, you know, if, if again, people in the office, they're like, "Hey, happy birthday!" Because I mean, there's there's this whole uh, dog and pony show uh, for uh, for for the birthday people around here. Uh, all kinds of decorations and everything like that. And I was just kind of like, okay, I'll slip in thirty. Yeah. I'll join you in a few months. Don't worry. I know. I, I, I tried to, uh, 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 our good friend Brian Houseworth, who you can hear on uh, 93.9 The Eagle, uh, he, he somehow avoided turning 30 for the last uh, you know 29 years or something like that. <laughs> I forgot to ask his secret on how to not do it, and now it's too late. So I guess. Got to sleep through it. I got I to gotta live with it, I suppose. Uh, okay. Well, uh, th- that's over. Uh, you're, you're over under there, uh, today, as of today, over. you're taking the over. Yeah. Um, so, uh, so there goes that, uh, how about, uh, for, how about for points for Sean East in this game? Sean East, I mean, obviously, uh, Mizzou's top scorer for the moment and, uh, has been putting up some pretty decent numbers offensively right now, averaging 15 points. Per game, that's actually road uh, statistics. The actual uh, combined home and road, 16.8. How about we set it at 16.5? 
over or under 16.5 points for Sean East in this game, Brendan? Wow. I'm going to take the over because I think even if this game goes poorly for Missouri, Sean East is still going to be a volume shooter and volume scorer in this game. And I, I just feel like if it's going to go well for Missouri, he's got to be on his game. So I'm going to take over. It doesn't mean he has an efficient game by scoring 17 or 18 points. But if he does, if he's efficient and scores 25, maybe that's something that can trim that projected 13-point gap. I'll go over, Andy. Man, I think over could be a good play there, too. Again, you've you've got to rely on somebody, and more often than not, if – if you're struggling offensively, you have to find a way to to get him going somehow. You're going to turn to your studs that can get their own shot, and it just seems that Sean East is the most proficient to that. So I'll say over, but it necessarily it's not predictive of anything as far as what could right. happen in this game. Like you almost make it a given uh, for for this. Mizzou's got to have multiple uh, ten, maybe fifteen point scores in this game to have any kind of shot. Uh, let's Here's go. A question, yeah, Andy. yeah. What's up? Let me let me get a quick one for you. Yeah. If we can look up again, illegal for me to do it right now. Sean East did he play much against Kansas last year? Because it's interesting to me. He's kind of that player that when he's going great, it's it's incredible. But last year he had the reputation a little bit of he could he could go cold if things weren't going his way. Maybe turn into more of a turnover prone player. I'm curious yeah. if he had a stat line in, in that game last year. Sean East last year played 26 minutes in the game against Kansas, and uh, it, it was not a great game. Uh, he no. was 1-4-5 uh, yep. with two points, did not get to the free throw line, had a rebound, had an assist, and had two turnovers and three fouls. I, kind of what I what I recalled is that he just didn't play well, didn't feel like him, himself, right? Like when he's going – he can make plays on his own. And nobody from Mizzou was creating plays that day. It was an ugly game. But it would say a lot about his growth, right, if he's able to have a nice game this time around. Yeah, I mean, he he's going to have to be one of the main guys relied upon. And, and also very important in that in that game to maybe note, especially with what we've seen from Mizzou rotation-wise heading into this game, there were really, I, I mean, uh, Dennis Gates played 10 guys, and two of them were Ronnie DeGray and Ben Sternberg, and that was mainly uh, toward, towards the end. But eight guys got significant minutes. If we're talking about guys that get 15 minutes or more, is that over or under nine and a half? Or actually, no, eight and a half for this game. Oh, I'll say under, I think he'll trim the rotation in terms of the guys that play a lot. But he'll still probably play 11 or 12 guys because he has a tendency to to throw guys in there for just a couple of minutes. But I think the group of players that plays a bunch is going to be closer to around seven, if I had to guess. Maybe eight. Depends on where Aiden Shaw's line goes, Andy, because if he gets over 15, I think it'll be eight. Otherwise, I'm going to say seven. So under uh, for yeah, me. yeah, and I think he has a shot. He played 22 minutes in the game last year, so uh, we'll we'll see if he gets uh, as much of a shot this time around. Old Jay is here on the KTGR hotline. Give us your over unders for Mizzou and Kansas at eight seven five KTGR. Old Jay, what do you got? Well, first off, happy birthday. That's uh, oh, you only got you. Uh, like 14 more years to catch up to me. So you know, <laughs> well, uh, uh, yeah, just just wait up for me, okay? <laughs> you know, one of these days you might wake up and you'll be have like a bunch of kids in a minivan. So watch out. Yeah. yeah. Uh, 
Okay, so I'm going to go over under five and a half blocks for Mizzou as a team. Wow. I'm going to go two and a half for Shaw, three and a half for Vanover, and over under one half Tiger Tails on Friday because, my gosh, I am not missing this rivalry. Oh, man. Uh, possibly over on that one. I might just go ahead and say it. Appreciate the call, OJ, here on the Big Show KTGR. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing. Blocks have been a a solid stat for Mizzou as a team this year. I'm trying to get their actual uh, team average, but uh, so far on the season, Mizzou uh, as a team has the third best block percentage in the country, according to Ken Palm, at 18.6. And, and yeah, you... It makes sense because guys like Connor Vanover and Aiden Shaw defensively have been doing really well in that category, even if nothing else is is going Mizzou's way in particular. But uh, but Brendan, where do you think you uh, uh, the total was five and a half uh, for the game? Here's what I'll do: I'll say under for both Vanover and Aiden Shaw's totals, but I think they go right below the line that Old Jay said. What do you say, three and a half and two and a half? Yeah. So they'll mix in, but somebody else gets one, and I'll say they get to six blocks. That is, I realize what I am saying against an athletic, more lengthy Kansas team than Missouri has, has seen. I mean, they've just got athletes at every spot. That's kind of the way it goes. But you do have a big tree playing center for you. So I'm hopeful that Vanover gets enough minutes to have an impact. I, it's going to be a little bit tricky, given that sometimes if the flow of game doesn't suit him, Dennis Gates might have to kind of step off of Vanover a bit. But I say he gets a couple, Shaw gets a couple, and somehow somebody else mixes in a couple blocks and Mizzou gets to six. Very wishful thinking. I, I think it is. But I'm going to say it anyway because I want so badly this to be a close game. By the way, the number is 6.7. Uh, that, that's what they average on the year as a team. 6.7 okay. through the first, what is that, nine games uh, that they've played so far? I mean, so uh, that's it's not bad. Um, I, you expect that number to be harder to get to against, again, as you mentioned, Kansas has all kind of length of the seventh tallest team in the country. Mizzou is in like the 270 range. Uh, but, uh, this is, this is going to be a tough test to, to try and, uh, pull off here. 875KTGR if you want to call or text us. That's the main thing though. Both of these games, one in Lawrence, one in, uh, Columbia, since this rivalry has been restored, and neither have been contest after the first 10 minutes. I mean, just find a way to make this a game somehow. And I know it's hard because, again, you're playing, uh, as Gabe DeArman mentioned earlier, it's just so tough to play there for a number of reasons. One of the reasons that he did not necessarily uh, say there was that a lot of time when you go to play down Fieldhouse, it's eight versus five. So, I mean, oh, just, he knows. It, yeah. Gabe knows uh, that. Gabe knows that for <laughs> sure. Um, but uh, look, it, it's the way it is somehow, and you got to try and overcome it. But uh, I just want to see this team weather the storm. And look, they've weathered some earlier storms uh, this season on the road and done fairly well. Now, again, totally different test. Very much uh, a tougher, different team in Kansas than what uh, Minnesota and Pitt were. Very different stuff. But as Dennis Gates has told us, like 
you don't win the big games that you win uh, uh, on this schedule without learning some things in the losses that you had against Memphis and Jackson State. Like you got to have some kicks in the butt sometimes. And I hope that look. I mean, last year they they this was their first kick in the butt because they came into the game at nine and zero and riding high and all the and all the momentum was there. And then afterward, they won some games that that started turning heads after they. They lost by however much they lost to last year in Columbia. I want to see them flip the script a little bit. I want the, to see a team that maybe is a little bit further along in that process, Brendan, of learning what their team is about and then applying that in a game and actually making this uh, a, a contest for Kansas uh, down the stretch in this game. Absolutely. So that brings me to my next over-under. I think that has to come from not necessarily a fast start, Andy, but a start that at least keeps you alive. Like you said, the, after ten, 8 to 10 minutes in these rivalry games, Missouri has basically been out of it the last couple of times. So I'll give you this one. Over or under a 6.5-point halftime deficit for the Tigers. Will they wow. be trailing by more than 6 points, or will they keep it close at half? Because that's the first step. You go in four-minute segments, and then you try to – be in the ball game when you head to the locker room at, at, at the break. That's key to me. That's such a good place to put it. Because, again, the projection from Kempom is a 13-point win for Kansas. So that splits the middle uh, for the half of the game. Is Mizzou going to be down by uh, more than six points by the time they're heading into the locker room for halftime? Man, that's so tough. I it, I would love to be optimistic and say under for that number that they're down by fewer than six or maybe even somehow have a lead after 20 minutes. I would love to say that. I don't know if I can, though. I think it it wouldn't necessarily mean that they're playing terribly, but, I mean, you'll almost take down nine uh, heading into halftime in that environment, wouldn't you, Uh, with uh, how these teams are stacked up? I'd be fine with a nine-point deficit. It it doesn't necessarily uh, indicate how well or how poorly Mizzou would be playing to that point. I'll say uh, it's over, but I, it's not to say that Mizzou can't be uh, in this contest. Yeah, I'm thinking it could be in that, like, eight-point range. Look, I'm I'm not going to give anything away for Friday, but I'm thinking Missouri can – can do more than they've done against Kansas in recent years. I'm not going to give you a score, obviously, just yet. But I'll say that, yeah, I'm going to take over as well, but not too terribly far over. There's going to be one moment in the first half where Kansas goes on a run. The extent to which Missouri can kind of staunch the bleeding on that will determine whether this is a a 7 or 8 or maybe more point deficit at the the half. But I'm going to say it's over by by a couple. Give me, give me within single digits, yeah. and I, I'll be okay with being in the ballgame. Uh, yeah, if you're within single digits, it's it's all out there on the table. You can try to make a push, start of the second half, the, the, the final five of the first half, first five of the second half, all important. Make your run then and, and just see where the rest of the cards fall uh, in, in a tough rivalry game like that. If you have an over-under, text it to us, 875-KTGR. Daniel texting in, sort of an over-under. He's saying, should I spend money and just go to this game? Never been to Allen Fieldhouse before. Have you been, Brendan? I have not. I have never been, and I don't think this is the year that it's going to happen, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I think the first time, this sounds maybe kind of crazy, the first time I ever 
ever go to a game there, I almost would rather it not be a Mizzou game, just so I like the the atmosphere won't make me as mad. If that makes sense, like sure, I, I will. I'll never be a fan of Kansas. I hate them, but it would be a sight to behold if I didn't have to walk out of the arena with my heart broken potentially. So that that might be the way I want to introduce ease myself into but- Allen Fieldhouse. Uh, hopefully, Mizzou and Kansas do another series to where we can someday see a game there. That is the border war. Well, and it's like go there and try and uh, essentially go for a game like uh, one of their top Big Twelve games, like whether it's Kansas State one year or Oklahoma. They've been good. Iowa State, like one of those environments that they know they have to win this game and they have to be up for it. So the place is raucous. Anyway, that's the environment that I want to be in. Yeah. Yeah. Root for the other team, obviously. Oh, sure, here's absolutely. What yeah. Daniel, here's what I would say for Daniel: Go if you feel like you would regret not going, and you and you genuinely have nothing going on this weekend. Because first of all, Tigers need you there. That's going to be tough. They got to have some support. Secondly, we really don't know when these two teams might play in that building again. Right? This is the last time in the scheduled series that that's currently on the books. So. You just never know the chance you'll have to do it again. So if you have a shot to go, if you live in the KC area or even Columbia want to make that drive, I, I would recommend it. Wouldn't you say, Andy, yeah. it's a possibility yeah. for it? If you, have the, if you have the means to do so, I mean, yeah, why not? You, you can uh, try and find your, your tickets on the secondary market because I'm sure it's sold out despite what Kansas fans might say about the rivalry between Mizzou and Kansas and how it doesn't exist anymore. Guess what? They sold out the game probably uh, months ago. Uh, so I, I, good luck finding tickets. But if you can, you know, absolutely. Because you're right. You're not going to have too many chances uh, unless they re-up this thing, which they should do the right thing. They uh, should. Like, uh, yes, yeah, get the suits in there and just like, come on, every let's year. work this out every year, every year thing. And I'm fine with it. Uh, uh switching between home sites or uh, T-Mobile Center, whatever it is. I, I mean, I, I'm fine with it. Just play the game. Uh, that's that's the most important I, thing. Yes, totally agree. Yeah, but give us your over unders. For Mizzou, Kansas this weekend, five seven three eight seven five KTGR. We'll keep weighing in on some of those. Keep previewing the matchup all this week, and uh, we'll get to some of your calls and texts here. Uh, Show Otani wants to keep this all hush hush at the winter meetings as he meets with teams on where he wants to play baseball for the foreseeable future. Is that good for the game that he's keeping it all secret? Discuss next on the Big Show. You're listening to the Big Show podcast on KTGR.com. Oh, give us your over-unders for Mizzou and Kansas border war this weekend. See if Mizzou's up for it. 875-KTGR with Andy, Brendan, uh, via the phone, and producer Chris on hand. 875-KTGR to call or text us here. Get your over-unders in. Uh, I, I have one more here, and it's uh, essentially, <laughs> I, I know we just hammer the over every single time, but over or under four and a half whistles by the officials that make Brendan shout an expletive. <laughs> yeah, here's the thing. You you would think over because it's Allen Fieldhouse and you know that they're going to be yeah. towards the home team. Yeah. But, like, by saying that I care enough by the second, that is a close game. So, with that thing, I'm going to say over because I'm going to manifest Mizzou 
come into play in this one. Yeah, yeah the more that they stay in it, the more that uh, you're invested in it, and the more that the officials uh, kind of hold off on their whistles to say, oh, wait, oh, well, look at the score. We have to we have to give a few fouls the uh, the KU way a little bit. Okay, let's let's rectify that. Uh, so, yeah, the, I, I think that's sound logic. I'll say over as well because, you know, even if it's a 20-point game, I'll still be doing it. I'll still be shouting expletives at the TV or the radio, uh, whichever one, uh, if there's a bad call. So, I mean, it is what it is. 875-5847, call or text us. Well, the winter meetings, are they done, essentially, Brendan, or are they still going on? Is uh, You're leaving, so I, I assume they're done. Yeah, I left. I left probably earlier than I, I needed to, but full disclosure, i got to get home for bedtime, man. So, oh, yeah. Um, they're over now, though, pretty sure. But, you know, for all intents and purposes, they're over now. The Rule 5 draft is kind of the unofficial close to most of the action, and that took place earlier this afternoon. The Cardinals did draft a reliever from Boston in the Rule 5 draft, uh, Ryan Fernandez. So they, they added somebody at the winter meetings. They can say they did that. But other than that, it's, yeah, it's pretty much all all done and not a whole lot of action this week, if we're being honest, Andy. And is that a good thing? Because I know that that, uh, that Ken Rosenthal put a piece out about this. Like, uh, Do we need to – does Major League Baseball have a problem with the winter meetings being – uh, as as dormant as they have been, maybe in recent years, and is that a problem for the league? I'm not I'm not sure how I fall on that. I think it, it sometimes it's it's hot news and uh, and big time movement, but other years it's fine. And I I think it just depends on the year sometimes. It depends on the year, but it feels like we say this every year that oh wow nothing really happened, what a waste of time. Like. It's hard to project exactly when guys are going to sign or when big trades are going to happen, whether it's a slow burn like it was this year or whether the market heats up quickly and, and one domino falls and then the rest of them with it. It Yeah, I don't know if they could put it in a different weekend. Like if you move it back, would that help? But you don't want to be too close to the holidays. It's kind of tricky, Andy. I think they... I don't think it's a problem, but I do believe it would be better for baseball if they had it a little more pizzazz, a little more exciting. But how do you manufacture that without upsetting either the player's side of things or the team's saying, well, you can't input a new rule regarding contract signings that's going to mess everything up. It's kind of tricky. The baseball offseason is very lengthy, so a lot of teams don't feel compelled or players maybe don't feel compelled to get things done right away, knowing that they still have time, even long after these winter meetings. So it, I don't know if it's a huge problem, but it is a bit of a disappointment from our perspective, right? Yeah, I mean, especially with one of the uh, the possibility of having probably the biggest free agent contract in MLB history and how that might be the result of Shohei Otani's free agency courtship, if you will, and the fact that it's not necessarily Major League Baseball's fault that we don't know much about it, but it's the, it's Shohei Otani's side of things. His camp is trying to shut down all kinds of outside communication about what the uh, big-time free agent is uh, deciding, what his free agency process is looking like, who he's meeting with, what he's considering, things of that nature. Nobody knows except for uh, the few brave souls that have decided to leak the information and say, hey, our team did it. And then the 
the Shohei Otani camp has said that, hey, anybody that releases stuff about this, no, we're no longer going to consider your team because you didn't uh, adhere to our demands of staying quiet about this. I, uh, that could have been the biggest story, obviously, and it still is the biggest story of the week, but there's no finality to it, so I wonder if that was a missed opportunity at all for the league with there being almost no news about it. I'm sure the league is disappointed by reporters. <laughs> uh Looks like we've uh, lost Brendan a little bit there, but um, we'll, we'll try our best to, to get his thoughts. Because, again, I just I, I think, again, the opportunity that uh, that they have to to yeah. capitalize on this free agency courtship is is huge, Brendan. Yeah, and we don't know a lot about Otani. He wouldn't even want people to know his dog's name, so he's yeah. keeping it all close to the vest for whatever reason. Maybe that's just his personality. But do I really think that because Dave Roberts talked about the meeting with Otani and the Dodgers that they're out of the running? I don't know if I buy that necessarily, but that's sure. the word anyway that they're trying to scare people into keeping it hush-hush. Well, yeah, no, there's that'd be a very weird thing to hold against a team, uh, and especially a team like the Dodgers, that, look, if you're looking for the highest bidders and that's what's important to show Otani, then you do not discount the Dodgers from your uh, decision-making process until the bitter end because you know they've got the cash. Uh, so I, I, that's that's kind of the main thing that I come down on is that we – we know almost nothing about this. I I tend to think though, and uh, look, I've I've heard several National Baseball folks kind of adhere to this uh, this feeling, especially when they watched Shohei Otani uh, play in the World Baseball Classic last year. It sure seemed like because of a guy like Shohei Otani being on the LA Angels for his entire career so far, a team that has done nothing past August essentially, um, he. I think really enjoyed himself at the WBC because his team was winning and ultimately won the whole thing. I really think he wants to set himself up well for that. Now, look, money's a huge determining factor, too. The teams that are near the top of the standings this year, not every one of them is going to be in the sweepstakes for this because the price tag is just going to be too high. But I... Uh, my gut feeling is that that's still a very important thing to Shohei Otani. Having fun is essentially uh, being on a winning team most of the time in Major League Baseball, and Shohei Otani has not tasted that yet. Yeah, I mean, he wants to win. There's no doubt about that, and the Dodgers are a team that can probably both win and pay him what he is worth. So that would be a team that would be obvious. I like the Blue Jays' rivers this week as well that they allegedly met with him down in Florida during the uh, the winter meetings. And so Monday, uh, John Schneider was, like, supposed to be on the – they got a little whiteboard, Andy, where the managers talk and what time. And his name got erased. His name got moved to Tuesday because, uh, you know, conceivably he wasn't around to talk. And so that was kind of the hubbub. I don't really know what's going to end up happening. I just – I kind of hope it happens soon because we want some big moves. Maybe you guys can tell me this. Did Juan Soto ever get traded today? I haven't even been able to check Twitter to know what's I going mean, on. Uh, the deal was not completed by the time the meetings were officially over. Man. Well, there's not really like an officially, but okay. So nothing official yet, though. Like we haven't. It's seen being on reported uh, largely. I'll make sure that the Yankees haven't tweeted anything. But I mean. It, Ken Rosenthal, Jeff, too, also. We think it's coming, yes. 
So we'll see. But I, I, I think the league just uh, has a real chance to, to, to kind of play this up a little bit. And I don't know if Shohei's camp is kind of getting in their way in that sense by not saying anything about it. Because that we'd love to know, every, uh, not everything, but at least something about what they're considering with this whole process because this could make major shifts across uh, across the league with, with where this guy goes. And uh, it's an unprecedented situation for a guy like Shohei Otani in the positions he's in. And I, I can't wait to see how it uh, concludes, but I guess <laughs> we'll never know when it actually does. Yeah, it'll be, it'll be soon, I think, because once he meets with everybody, what's really left to do, right? Like, yeah. You, you know the offers at that point. You know the possibilities, and you, you pick a team, and then I think the rest of the market will hopefully start to move. Like position players, it's been really pretty frozen up until the notion of a Soto trade, because it's mostly just been kind of some relief pitchers here and there that have been signing. Yeah, it is kind of a boring winter meeting, Andy, but you know it. It, it still is a, a chance to talk about baseball in the middle of the winter, so I, I can't complain too much. Yeah, and uh, that's that's good to uh, to be able to at least see what uh, the the main topics were uh, and what uh, teams were trying to, uh, to to find out about this week. So, so he's we'll totally see. going to the Cubs, right? Yeah, exactly. I think so. I thought he might before this week, but I, I'm a little more sour on that now, based on you know just what's been kind of leaking out about it. I think the Cubs Bob yeah, Nightingale. do that. Yeah, it, it, it just kind of seems like that's the trend of it. Nightingale and others sort of suggesting that maybe they're not as confident in their chances. We'll see. Uh, but uh, the winter meeting's uh, concluding uh, today, and we'll see what that means for the rest of the league as Shohei Otani continues to consider his decision. Uh, by the way, Mizzou women's basketball coverage is coming on in a few minutes, so we'll be uh, ducking out in just a, a couple here. But uh, ultimately, Brendan, uh, as we uh, talk about the Cardinals side of things, I guess the, the main takeaway was that they wanted a higher draft pick and the luck of the draw was not on their side. Yeah, they got jumped over by those Ohio teams and fell a couple of spots compared to what you expected. So that's kind of a bummer, but they still haven't drafted this high in a long, long time. I think it's the J.D. Drew pick in 1998 since they were this high in the MLB draft. So they'll have a chance to get a good player. That was notable from the week. I think the other thing is finally we get some clarity on Yadier Molina joining the team in an official capacity. Special advisor, not going to be full-time, but it does sound like, according to what John Mozeliak told media this afternoon, that he will at times be in uniform with the team. But doesn't that sound like the most Yadier Molina arrangement possible? Like, so yeah, when I want to be there, I'll, I'll be there. But did, uh, you, you know, I got did, anybody else, did anybody else read uh, Yadier's uh, job title, which is officially Special Assistant to the President of Baseball Operations? Did anybody read that as uh, interim bench coach? Like, <laughs> come on. Like, come on. Wow. You're telling me he might be in uniform every once in a while. Like, uh, how, how could he not? Just in, like the office, like one of those, like this is Sports Center, you know, commercials. <laughs> oh, that he's just, he's just uh, walking fil- around, filming one of those, and just wants to feel back uh, with the team in, in the actual sense. Oh, you got the pads on? That's right, I do. Oh, uh, sure. How you doing? <laughs> God, I'm Yadier Molina. Oh man, but uh, inevitably it was going to happen. And uh, look, I, I hope it helps. I hope it helps in some way, shape, or form. It can't hurt, I suppose, uh, to have Yachty in the building. It, it helped the last well, few years. I, I think it'll be helpful. But, by the way, you make the bench coach comment, which, again, like, 
that's going to be the talk, right, is, okay, what do they do? Is, is it a good season, and does that allow an extension for Ollie Marmol, or does it go the other way with Yachty kind of lurking over his shoulder? Like, people are going to talk about that whether I want him to or not. So it's, I'm sure that'll be a topic. But I wanted to mention, Daniel Descalzo, Just a few everything seconds we're hearing here. about... Uh, yeah, everything we're hearing about Descalzo, I think, is going to be a really solid ad at bench coach. So yeah. don't just uh, discount him necessarily either. I think it'll be a, I think it'll be a plus too. So that'll be uh, good to hear. That was Brendan. He'll be back in full form tomorrow. He's producer Chris. I'm Andy. Thank you for joining us. Mizzou women's basketball takes on Missouri State tonight at Mizzou Arena. Coverage starts in just a few minutes on KTGR.